When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find a Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Iron Solutions, and I've got someone that's uh, a little bit different than, than most of the uh, uh, guests that we have on on the podcast here. It's something that I'm trying to figure out how to do myself and, and get better at and try to grow this, but I've got Alex Kenny, and he's the senior uh, data analytics um, person. Am I getting am I, am I butchering that? Yeah, senior data scientist. Senior senior data scientist. All right. So the uh idea of of taking so much data that we have right now, Alex, and and trying to find the answers to questions that we've all been, you know, keeping us up at night about and the amount of data that we have available to us in any industry, whether it's you name it, just there's so much data out there. Um, it's pretty easy to start to kind of go through all that. And, and find answers, but the hard part is finding the right parts to formulate the answer to the question you're trying to find, correct? That is absolutely right. It's 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 quite a process. Um, you know, so what a lot of what I do involves looking towards the future um, mm-hmm. with, you know, with predictive analytics, uh, looking at past uh, equipment transactions uh, to 
predict what they might look like in the future. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it can be very complicated. There's so many different uh, aspects of that transaction that you have to take a look at, and you have to figure out which ones are going to work for you uh, and, and which ones will not. And and sometimes uh, that's a little bit easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've done a whole project where I've spent three or four or five days pulling down the data, looking everything over and start kind of formulating the different pivot tables and all the stuff to make everything kind of come together and, and grossly realize that you spent all that time for nothing because what you have there isn't, isn't going to answer the question that you're looking for or the data is so miscombobulated that you can't even use the data. It's the right data, but it's just not formulated right. Or, you, you know, it's, and so, yeah, start all over, but that's a, uh, that's the fun side of this. So I guess with, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing over at Iron Solutions. So Iron Solutions is under the Randall Riley umbrella. And I've got to believe that with, with what Randall Riley is bringing to the table, plus what Iron Solutions is bringing to the table, that you have more data than you know what to do with. So I guess talk a little bit about what you're doing there and, and some of the processes that you're going through to find, to find these various uh, questions, answers for these yeah. questions. Yeah, no, that's a good question. That's, I mean, that's what I spend uh, all day, uh, all day, every day doing. Mm -hmm. um, so the, our our process is kind of changing right now. It's, this is kind of an, an exciting time for us. Um, you know, we create these. We call them the, our predictive models, um, and uh, which is it just you know, in layman terms, that's just like the mathematical equation that goes in that goes into our valuation products. Um, so when you enter in the information about your equipment and you click the button to find out what it's worth, all the magic that happens in the background, that that's what we we uh, that's what we develop. Um, and that was developed. I came to Iron Solutions about eight years ago. Uh, and that was the first thing I did, create create the predictive model. Um, and since then, it's just been like a matter of updating it, you know, with new transactions that have occurred every year, you know, keeping it current. Um we have a new process that we we literally just implemented just a couple of weeks ago. We finished our first iteration of it. Um, we have a new uh, predictive modeling software we use. Uh, it's called Data Robot, um, and it uses uh, it uses uh, artificial intelligence to create the best predictive model possible. Um, so in, in the past, we used to have to look at all these different aspects of the transaction to find out what is a good predictor of that future value. And, but we'd have to do it manually. Uh, right. And it, it would take literally weeks or even months uh, to comb through all the possibilities, but data robot saves us an enormous amount of time. And now within minutes, it'll tell us these are, the, these are the sort of predictors that you want to use. Here's how you should use them and, and that sort of thing. And then it's our job to make that happen. Yeah. So that's, that is the, uh, that's, that's one thing that I'm, you know, I'm looking at too, trying to figure out when, when are people going to come in and buy, when, what are their, what are their buying criteria that they're typically running into? Um, you know, when you're looking at the stuff that you guys have, where you have just a mountain of, of, uh, data coming into you from, you know, sold reports and those kind of things and, and what's coming through over the last eight years, what are some of the common things that you've seen? That are, that are kind of repeatable from a data perspective? And then what are some of the stuff that you're starting to see pop up now that that is kind of help having to morph your algorithms and those kind of things to be more in tune with what's happening in the marketplace? 
Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. That's always obviously that's something uh, we're we're looking at all the time. Usually, mm-hmm. about once a year, we'll really sit and take take a look at um, those aspects of our predictive model. Uh, you know, the biggest things that we see change in that regard are usually uh, reflective of the larger aspects of the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, when, whenever there's a little bit of a downturn in the economy, we'll, we we know we know something crazy is going to happen in the data. When you look at our our charts, we know that when uh, economic times get little bit interesting uh the lines yeah. are gonna zigzag a little bit more right. uh you know so so uh we see that sort of thing and now with uh with uh, uh covid is is finally you know kind of coming to a close i guess i guess it's kind of been that way for a little bit now but uh um uh it's a, it's still a little bit too soon to say how that is going to affect everything but we uh we're anticipating uh we don't know what to anticipate except it's going to be something we haven't seen before Sure. Um, at least not in a very long time. Um, so we're uh, we're very uh, interested to see how that's going to turn out, which, you know, I would expect pretty soon we're going to really start to be able to see that uh, in the larger data. Yeah. So here's a question I'm going to ask you and you can you can answer it if you want to. And, and if not, we can we'll, I'll ask you a different one. But, you know, you're looking at what's happening in the marketplace right now and you see all the, the influx of um, uh, of of pricing that you see coming through right now. So the, the volatility that we've seen over the last 18 months, we had a, a huge run up in price and then we've kind of pinnacled, you know, we kind of peaked there probably 12 months ago. And then it's kind of slowly been notching its way down as, as supply has been coming, uh, catching up with demand. And we're, we're seeing that come together now from a predictive analytics perspective. I mean, how do you keep up on top of that ever? I mean, that's a rapidly changing thing. I mean, that's a that's a day-to-day, if not month-to-month for sure, uh change. When you're looking at that, how, how do you keep up on that? And then what's your what's your data telling you in the future? If you have you seen are you starting to see some numbers come out that are showing, hey, we're gonna be down, you know, 25, 30% or whatever you come, whatever those numbers are coming up with. Uh yeah, no, uh there, there, there's mo- there's a few different things that we do uh, that we do with that, but the the most important thing is that we keep our models current with uh, the most recent transactions. Um, up until this point, we've updated these predictive models uh, annually. That's going to be changing though. Um, uh, we have uh, uh, you know we have we have some uh, I shouldn't really go into the details, but we do have some plans of how we're going to. Uh, be updating those models quite a bit more frequently because of all these changes that you're talking about. Yep. Um, updating it once a year might not quite cut it um, moving forward, and we know that. Um, and and but we also place a little bit more emphasis on recent transactions as well. Not completely. Um, uh, we usually look back. Uh, uh, it, it just depends on a lot of factors, sure. but we usually look at transactions going back like ten or fifteen years, mm-hmm. um, and we usually place uh, more emphasis on more recent years to account for those sorts of things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd say that's really the major thing that we do. Yeah, some of the stuff that you're looking at when you're looking at some of these predictive indicators, I've always thought, you know, hey, you know, it'd be cool to go back in and take a look at, you know, auction value against, you know, a corn chart. You know, and and splash against there, and you know, see if that how how linear the movement is. Because I'm a firm believer that it's not necessarily the price of of the product that is uh, of the commodity that's that's driving um, buying habits as much as it is the movement in the marketplace from from points to point. Right. So yeah. it's not so much like you know, three dollar corn. Obviously, three dollar corn is going to be devastating. But if it goes from three dollars to three seventy five, then all of a sudden you start seeing some movement, you know what I mean? And that's where those indicators are. Is it, you know, as a percent of growth from where and those kind of things talk a little bit about how you're using that kind of data 
to kind of formulate what you're talking about. Yeah. So when it comes to our predictors, we really group them into two categories. We have the data that comes from those, uh, the sold reports, the, the transaction mm-hmm. reports, what have you. Uh, and then there's like the uh, the uh, data we get from other sources. And that's like the co- data about commodities. That's, that's sure. the biggest one. Um, and, uh, you know, the the com- like the commodity prices those tend to not have as much of an effect on some of the compared to some of the other predictors such yeah. as the machine's age uh, right. it's it's meter reading that sort of thing um uh, but but of course that changes all the time too and that's just one of the many things that we have to stay on top of um but but uh but yeah we 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 look at those external and ma- kind of macroeconomic uh, factors as well um, and and those those have a more significant impact than the uh, commodity prices as well. But yep. of course, the commodity prices do matter. There's a reason we include them. Yeah, that's the thing about the commodity prices. I think is is overstated sometimes when folks are looking at that. Don't get me wrong; the price of commodities absolutely is going to drive people's buying habits and profitability. And all I get all that. But when you start seeing those make a difference, is when is in the movements in be- of you know going from one point to the next point. What's that look like, and how those things come together? So those are definitely definitely some stuff I have to pay attention to. So when you're when you're looking at your kind of long term spectrum now, and kind of get out your crystal ball here and uh, talk a little bit about the future here. But as you're looking ahead, what are some of the I guess trend line you starting to see develop in your data? What trend lines we see in our data? Now that's a good question. Um, I said, you know, right now, th- th- there's just too many, so many questions. Um, right. Just uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but with COVID and the mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that uh, all, you know, uh, uh, ag machinery is uh, they're they're big computers today. You know, right? Um, and, and and with all with the uh, supply chain issues with computer with uh, uh, you know computer chips and all that sort of thing, um, there. Right now, it's probably more difficult than ever to say what exactly the future is going to hold. Um, uh, now, people, now I know, I know you've talked to like people like John Womack uh, mm-hmm. a number of times. People like him, they have a they have a better pulse on on what the ag equipment market you know uh, has in store for the future, just because they've worked in those in that industry for so long. Um, sure. And me being more of a data guy, and not 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 so much. I don't want to say I'm not an ag guy because I I because I, I you know I am, but but I'm more of a data guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look more at, at the data and not so much ag, if, if that, if that makes sense, well, but that's why we have sense, people yeah. like, like John Womack and, and that yeah. sort of thing. And they, they could probably shed better light on that than me. So I, yeah. I, I don't want to give any bad information. All right. That's fine. That's fine. So when you're looking at, uh, let's talk a little bit about what your, the data and stuff that you can pull back across from with your partners over there at like EDA, for example. So if you're looking at some of the stuff they're doing, you get so many different sold reports on so many different, such a spectrum of equipment. You know, we're talking everything from combines to wheel loaders to skid steers to grain carts to auger, you name it. You guys get all kinds of stuff. Do you notice any time in that, in those data points, especially since so much of your stuff comes from, from the ag, you know, ag equipment sector, do you see certain points where maybe you know combines might not be doing good but skid steers are really on fire i mean are you starting to you see some some counterbalancing there of some of the extremes i guess when you're looking at some of your equipment 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, so some, <clears throat> uh, a lot of times the, uh, you know, when, when larger equipment, you know, combines, large row crop tractors, that sort of thing, um, when they're going up in value, you'll, you'll see similar larger machines going up as well. But then sometimes you'll see something like uh, when, if large row crop tractors are going up, small row crop might go down um, a little bit. But, uh, uh, but if I had to, but if I had to general, uh, just kind of overgeneralize a little bit, I'd say uh, uh, because macroeconomic factors play so much of a role in this, um, they tend to kind of move in unison, directionally speaking, anyway. Yeah. So I've got a, I got a something I, I would love your feedback on, and obviously you don't have to give it to me right now because you don't have time to look at it. But maybe sometime offline here you can give it to me. But I have this this theory that when four wheel drive tractors are are uh, going up in price and there being there more demand for those um sprayers have have the adverse effect their the demands going down and their their prices are going down and you know vice versa <clears throat> and my thought process behind that is every five years the no-till guys have to go back in and, and and till up the ground that they're working and and they have to go either a find a four-wheel drive tractor or um have you know rent demand whatever it is that they're doing with that full drive tractor so they can go in and, and till up what they need to till up because you see tillage kind of do the same thing every five years there's just big peaks and stuff like that and my theory is that because of no-till practices and having to go back in and weed resistance and those kind of things um you got to go back in and till it up and so it's every three to five years you see this big swing do you do you have do you, do you notice those kind of things in your data where you're, you see some, like you've notated like, Hey, when X does Y, you know, Y does this. And, you know, are you seeing those kind of things pop up a lot in your, in your, in your data? Yeah. The, the example you gave, I'm not sure that I've looked at that one specifically, but that's interesting. And I've made a mental note to take a look just because personally, yeah. I think that's interesting. And I just, I'm yeah. curious now. Um, but, uh, but, but we, we do notice those sorts of things. Unfortunately, that, that sort of, that, that falls into a category of like, information that's interesting but we can't really use and i'll tell you why yeah Yeah, the reason is because like let's just say i'm going to make up an example this is definitely hypothetical here um but let's just say that i that that that, uh we're able to do the math and we figure out that uh future prices of used combines uh negatively correlate with uh tractors so when one goes up the other goes down let's say that we figure that out we don't like to use data that we predict and feed that into another one of our predictive models. We we say we like to say uh, you might have heard uh, uh, Cameron Hernard say this before, but uh, uh, that makes us uh, uh, masters of our own domain, um, and, we, yeah. and we don't want to do that. Yeah. We don't want to take data that we come up with on our own and feed mm-hmm. that into our own predictive model. You, you see where where that's yep. going? That we don't we don't yep. uh, we don't want to do that. So uh, we have noticed things like that, but we haven't really been able to put it to use. Yeah. That's that's such like you just what you said. I mean, you're if you're you're programming your model to to find that kind of stuff, and then there's influencers in there that are gonna that you're feeding that so it'll you know it comes back out the way you want it to sometimes. But yeah, that's a those little things like that are the the things that I that really I I find enjoyable about being a user in the user equipment business is trying to figure out those those little nuances that here's some indicators you should start paying attention to because if this is going to do this more than likely, this is going to do this over here. And I think those are the, the, uh, those are, those are those little key factors that make you successful or don't make you successful, I guess, when you're, when you're looking at the big picture. So, yep. 
All right, Alex. So as we're kind of winding this down here, give me kind of talk to me a little bit about some of the stuff that you got in place now that you're that you're thinking about. Um, you know, maybe some some stuff coming down the pike here that you're going to be using um, to help make this predictive analytics stuff uh, even more accurate than what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I mentioned uh, Data Robot, our our yeah. new uh, AI powered software. Um, uh, there, I, I won't go into the details of it. I don't know how many sure. uh, math geeks like me uh, tend yeah. to listen to your podcast, but uh, there are. Uh, but within the uh, predictive modeling industry, so to speak, yeah. there are there are defined. Uh, 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 there are defined uh, metrics that are used to measure how accurate a predictive model is. And ours are far above what you would uh, consider to be like the baseline acceptable level of, of, of accuracy. Um, far, so we, our, our models are, are fantastic. I, I'm a little bit biased, obviously, but we've got really good predictive models. But with right. this last update that we did with, uh, 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 with data robot, it, it, it was a significant leap forward that I honestly didn't think would be possible at this point. Um, you know, given how accurate they are, it takes a lot of work to move the needle even a little bit. Um, so we couldn't be more pleased with that. Um, we have we have one other really interesting project coming down the pipeline, uh, tentatively called. I, I actually I think it's been decided. Uh, it's called a Iron Prospect, um, an entirely new product where we're not predicting the uh, future value of used equipment. Instead, we're trying to predict when individual equipment users are going to make another purchase um, by looking at their past purchasing behavior and other and you know some some other aspects uh, you know of their demographic like you know their 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 zip code uh, you know right. what uh, uh, what uh, what industry they're in exactly or sub industry I should say what what is it uh, that they farm uh, you know what do they grow um, that sort of thing um, we've. At this point, we've basically hammered out the math behind it, and now we're looking at implementation. But that's going to be coming down uh, the pipeline in the pretty near future. Uh, and that's and again, that's something that we've never applied a predictive model to before until now. Mm-hmm. And we're we're very excited to see um, to see uh, uh, how that can affect uh, the market in terms of uh, you know uh, just giving dealers uh, you know an- another tool in their toolbox uh, uh, you know to sell their products. So we're we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's one thing I've always wanted to figure out too is is take a look at a a grower and and say okay here here's how many acres you farm and then how does that how do your cropping practices change based around you know commodity prices you know or something like that so you know if you're looking at a just hypothetically thousand acre farmer and they have you know seventy five percent of their of their crop is, is corn right and twenty five percent is you know whatever beans or something and at what point does that that switch to maybe more beans than corn? And then so looking at it from that perspective of hey, you know, do we sell more corn heads to this guy or do we need to sell more, you know, flex drapers to this guy? And, and start trying to figure out what how to go after that customer and, and when when's that when is that flip gonna happen so you can start having that conversation earlier. So I love this stuff. It's very interesting, but you can also go down a lot of rabbit holes too that kind of end up in the middle of nowhere too so it's it's a it's a fun experience experiment no matter what absolutely and yeah, anytime you want to talk about this stuff i'll i'll talk about it till the cows come home this stuff awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, i'm i'm one of those uh those geeks that, that uh 
where this stuff uh, gets me excited and, and uh, wakes me up in the morning. So awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex, that's good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you or folks over at Iron Solutions, what's the best way to do that? Uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, uh, they can just uh, uh, send me an email. It's just uh, uh, just Alex Kenny at RandallRiley.com. Right on. Right on, Alex. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version of this over on YouTube at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. And then you can go to everything Moving Iron related at movingironllc.com. And you can check it out there. Moving Iron Summit is coming up soon. Check that out September 11th through the 13th. All the information is up on the website. Uh, if you need more information, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. And I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, almost filled up on the uh, $50 discount from the folks over at Axon on your registration fee. So take advantage of that if you're thinking about coming. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Ox Kenny. Let's move smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardware.